We are SC pregame podcast, Cal edition. Trojans getting ready to head north to Berkeley to take on Cal. USC sitting at 3-0, and surprisingly, so is Cal. Um, but in recent years of, of this rivalry, if you want to call it that, have not been good to the Bears. Uh, USC has not lost to Cal since uh, 2003, and uh, most Trojan fans will remember that game, a triple overtime, which was the first loss of Matt Leinert's career. He did not lose again until the Rose Bowl in 2006. Uh, the game will be on at 12.30 on ABC. Uh, USC pregame show getting started early in the morning. I will be on at 9 a.m. Uh, for my segment to talk about this game. Now, obviously, the Trojans coming off of uh, an emotional victory over Texas, uh, which was double overtime. And uh, right now, you're talking one of the things that could be interesting for the Trojans once again this week is uh, is the injury uh, factor. There, That was a tough football game, and uh, the Trojans are pretty banged up right now, specifically on the defensive side of the ball. So we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, Cal, on the other hand... Uh, like we talked about, happy to be 3-0 and and with victories over North Carolina in their opener and an SEC opponent last week in Ole Miss. And Cal, this team uh, kind of getting reputation as comeback kids at least so far. Uh, they have been down at halftime of, of every game to this point, but made a second-half comeback and, in fact, have outscored their opponents 57-13 to in the second half. And so the air raid attack is gone for the Cal offense. That was out with Sonny Dykes. Uh, but Bo Baldwin, their new offensive coordinator coming over from Eastern Washington, uh, he will spread the field around. And so uh, the USC defense, we'll see who plays in this one. Porter Gustin, probably not. I'd <laughs> be surprised to see him. Uh, Rasheem Green, he, he was hurt this week uh, and limited last week in the game. John Houston missed some time this week. Ajane Harris missed some time. So uh, you, you've got some guys out there who – Remains to be seen how much they will play. Uh, and you flip it over to the USC offense, Ronald Jones, Stephen Mitchell, a couple of guys who were limited in practice, and obviously Daniel Bebe still not back. Uh, the good news is the guys who did return, you did get Chuma Adoga back, which was good to see. You did get Marlon Tui Peloto back to see. So those were some key guys to get back in action for this one. Um, when you are looking over at the Cal defense, they have a pair of solid linebackers, uh, Devontae Downs and, and Davidson, two really good guys. And so it's going to be interesting to see coming off of last week when things were so skewed for the USC offense toward the passing game, almost 400 yards passing, uh, but in the 70s for the rushing department. And Clay Helton always talks so much about he wants balance. Well, Cal has a number 12 ranked pass defense in the Pac-12, and again, a couple of really good linebackers. So they're being to see how much do you look to go to that balance and try to get that and achieve that. Or is this one other one of those games like last week where, hey, if Sam ends up throwing the ball 51 times, Helton may say that's not ideal as far as he's concerned, but if that what it, that's what it takes to win the ball game, hey, Cal's defense appears to be susceptible in that area. And we don't know what running back, if Ronald Jones is unable to go, will it be more Stephen Carr? Helton had no hesitation on that, so that's going to be something key to watch. You flip it over on defense for the Trojans, and one of the big things I think is going to be what happens at cornerback. How much rotation do we see in there? Cal, a team where we're going to see three, four wide receiver sets. So, how do the Trojans counter with extra defensive backs? Is you know, Ajayna Harris is he able to go? Is it Akili Ross? Do you bring Marvell Tell down for more? Matt Lopes in there. There's a lot of things you can look at uh, as far as that defense. I want to see what goes on with there. But one guy, when you're talking down on the defensive front, and if you don't have Porter Gustin, obviously that means a more 
Connor Murphy, more Olawole Batuku, and I thought it was really interesting with those two young men last week. They did get extended playing time. They weren't able to actually close and make some plays, but they were close. And then maybe a little more playing time because they really haven't gotten much playing time to this point in their SC careers. A little more time, and you got to wonder how much are able to close that gap, especially someone like Olawole. When he put in that pursuit on the Texas quarterback down near the goal line after the snap was a bad errant snap, boy, that uh, Wole was tracking him down, and the guy went stage right toward the toward the uh, sideline in a hurry. So. I would love to see more of those guys. And then obviously Christian Rector, if Rasheem Green cannot go, boy, did Christian have a game last week. We're going to have an interview with him coming up in a minute. Um, And then special teams. Obviously the Trojans go up there with uh, the hero of the moment in Chase McGrath, or at least one of the heroes from last week. But uh, talk about a young man who was able to step up. When you think about it, he misses his first college field goal early in the game. And then has to step up for his next one to potentially tie the game and then go again for a 43-yarder to win the game. Uh, nice job, Chase McGrath. Uh, kudos to you for uh, delivering on that opportunity. Boy, what, what, what a big moment for that young man. And I'm anxious to see this week Vellis Jones back on kickoff return. I really thought his two kickoffs uh, returns in that game to help set up things late. Boy, he, uh, he did a good job with that. It wouldn't surprise anybody if Vela starts to step into that major role as a Trojan kickoff returner. So coming up on the podcast, as we mentioned, an interview with Christian Rector uh, talking about his performance last week. This week in USC practice, myself, Johnny Curran, Greg Katz, and Daryl Rideau. Talking defensively speaking with Kevin Bruce. And then Randy Taylor with a look at the defensive tackle recruiting for the Trojans this year. Enjoy the podcast. Christian Rector, Coach Helton talked to you about you as being a guy who, when you get your moment, be prepared and you're ready for it. What does that make you feel when you hear a coach say that? What does it make me feel? I mean, I just, I just, I don't know how I feel. I mean, I just prepared for that moment. You know, coach is always saying, like, you know, we're going to need you this year. And, and as, you're, as, as I'm an older guy, you know, we're going to need guys to step up when, when they're called upon. So I felt like. You know, why not me? I want to talk about your transition, like from defensive end into the middle. That's not an easy one for everybody to make. And like you yeah. said, you put on some good weight to get down there. Uh-huh. Uh, how's that been for you, the comfort level there, and then moving outside? Yeah, it's been good. I've, I've gotten stronger, I think, throughout the years and in a college strength program. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's it's kind of been easy. I mean, I played outside in, in high school. Sure. And then when it, when it came inside, everything happens a lot faster. Mm-hmm. You know, if they jump set you, it's, it's happening right now. It's not It's not two steps. As, as you'd find outside, so and inside, it's just it's just playing playing blocks. There's more blocks you can get on the in, inside. Outside, you get a base turnout and and a down block or a reach, okay. so you can play faster. Yeah. You, you you talked about that was uh, you're a little sore, or tired at the end. That was a lot of action. You hadn't yeah. seen that kind of action. Exactly. Talk about that part of it. <laughs> yeah, you know you got to get in shape. You know playing outside at 275 isn't always easy. So you know if I could maybe slim down to 265, maybe 270. You know, play fast, get my cardio up. The one part of that play that I want to talk about is not only do you, do you make the strip, but the presence of mind to then make the block to keep yeah. the to keep the guy away from that. Was that just an instinct thing? Did you see him? How did you see him? Take yeah. me through that. Yeah. So 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 I ripped the ball out, and the ball goes flying in the air, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to I'm trying to see where the ball goes, and then I see a guy flying across my face, so I just pushed him, fell on top of him, and then my uh, my teammate Jay and I was able to get the ball. Did you realize how key that was? I mean, that guy would have gotten the ball, but just a split-second play. Oh, yeah, it was huge. Great. <laughs> okay, now let's talk about Cal right now. What are you seeing from their offense, particularly their offensive line? What do they like to do? Yeah, they have a great quarterback. 
get, really gets the ball out fast, strong arm, makes you cover the whole entire field. You know, they run a lot of 10 personnel, a lot of wide, spread out, like to spread you out and, and throw the ball quick. So, so if we can stop the run early and make them, throw the, and make them get after the quarterback, it'll be big. Okay, and talk about their offensive line. What do you see from them? Offensive line, I mean, they have a, a, a returning center that's pretty strong, and, uh, and their two tackles are, are good, and they're good, they're good, solid guys. And so they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna come out and play. I already know. You know they're gonna give us our best. They're gonna give us their best effort. You know they're three and zero, and we're going to them. And so so we're gonna have to come ready. Just give me your mindset. Last question about uh, coming out three and zero out of three three tough games for the defense in particular. Like, those were some tough matchups. So talk about how you come out of that and get ready for the meat of the Pac-12 schedule. Yeah, I mean it's it's week nine of football, and we got nine more weeks ahead of us. Yeah. So so. Like like I did this past week, you know we're gonna need guys to step up, and we're gonna need everybody, all hands on deck. Appreciate your time, Christian. No problem. Thank you. This week in USC practice, Gary Pasquitz, Johnny Curran, Greg Katz, and Daryl Rideau. Uh, guys want to go through the thoughts of uh, what we saw this week in practice. I'm going to get things started. Uh, talking about Stephen Carr and the potential that he is going to need to play a, a bigger role this week. Uh, Rojo banged up uh, with a crowd injury. Practiced a little bit on Tuesday, very limited. Did not go at, at all on Wednesday. And so there is the possibility of Carr getting additional carries. And Clay Helton was asked after today's practice, would you be okay if you needed to call on him for up to 20 carries? And there was absolutely no hesitation uh, from Clay Helton that, yes, from what we've seen so far uh, from Stephen Carr, yeah, we would be okay with that. But also I think the possibility of Stephen Carr being involved more in the passing game. I don't think there's any question right now what this young man has shown. He's very comfortable catching the ball. I think you can use him out of the backfield. If you need to get him split out, you can. But having him out of the backfield is working so far. And obviously the fact that they went to him uh, on that final drive of regulation, the fact that it was Vellis Jones in there originally, Texas called a timeout, and they made a switch to get Carr out there, tells you where their comfort level is with them. And then I'm just looking at Steven on the practice field this week, and I see a confidence building in this young man. You see an extra you know, giddy up in his step right now. So I think this is all coming together that if the Trojans do need to go to Stephen Carr a little bit more on the road this week uh, in the first road trip for this young man, I don't think there's any hesitation just seeing the way that his body language and everything is. This moment is not too big for him. I think he's ready for whatever he is called upon and asked to do. Johnny? Uh, for me, the thing you know the significant thing that really stood out this week is just the large number of injuries not just to players but to key players and uh you know i know coach helton uh yesterday brought up the fact uh that he's really not as worried as he would be maybe a year ago at this time just because of the amount of depth on the team right now but still you're talking about significant guys like uh porter gustin rasheem green stephen mitchell uh Jones, Jenny Harris, uh, these are all significant guys who really didn't practice at all this week. And so, and they're still iffy at this point in time. Um, so even if you do have confidence in your subs and in your younger players, those are key guys. And if too many of those guys are out, it's going to be interesting to see how it impacts uh, the overall game. You know, it does give those younger guys, um, Christian Rector, who showed a lot of promise in the last game. Of course, Carr <laughs> has shown a lot of promise. Also, Malik Dorton, Tyler Vons, uh, Achille Ross, if Ajani's out. Um, so it's something to definitely keep an eye on this week. Could have a big impact on the game. Um, just how much, we'll have to wait and see. Well, I'll tell you what. I think that most Trojan fans and those watching on TV want to know what happened to the offensive line. And so I felt uh, compelled coming to practice to look at it. 
and uh, there a lot of work was done with the offensive line. But when talking with Coach Callaway, he said to me, you know what? We got whipped, and I do not want to get whipped again. And he said it as though your grandfather was scolding you. And then he said, you know, we got embarrassed on national television. And he says, we need to get after their ass. And I'll tell you what, I, I felt like I was a player. I Now, I talked with Toa Lobendon after I talk, talked with Coach Callaway, and he said that, um, you know, Texas did a lot of different slanting, this, that, and the other thing. But he says, you know what, they were physical. And I asked him, you know, do you, do you need to be in the weight room more? And he said, uh, you know what, he says, we just have to get after it. Right. And easier said than done. You know, um, again, you go up against three powerhouses in a sense that each team provided a certain physicality that really demanded a lot of your front seven. And in a, in a situation like that, your secondary oftentimes puts on their big shoulder pads and they're coming in and they're helping inside of the box. But now that you enter into Pac-10, Pac-12 play, here it is, I'm going back to my days of playing, it's different. You're going up against teams that want to spread you out, make you thin, and look for creases and holes. And so if injury does rear its ugly head in a game like this, or let's say guys are even nicked up and can't go the equal amount of reps and distance that they would normally go throughout a game, then you're looking at who are the rotational, situational players. And while we can go up and down the roster and just point out corners that would likely fit that mode, that's not necessarily how Clancy thinks. He thinks trust first. Who can I put in that's going to execute the system on the road when the, when the, the stadium gets loud? first person that comes to mind off the bench before a corner comes off is a guy like Matt Lopes, someone who can babysit the middle of the field. So if you are looking for that additional third or fourth corner, that nickel and dime situation, expect someone like Marvell Tell, who's earned the confidence of this coaching staff, to play inside of the box. Perhaps if you need an extra guy to defend against the run or cover in the slot, someone like him really uh, – comes to mind before you go to Akili Ross, someone like that. So the onus on the two starting corners, Jack Jones and Iman Marshall, to hold up their their own in a situation like this, redemption, expect them more pressure to be placed on them to be consistent if you have to mix and match in the secondary this week. So a lot of gamesmanships are going to have to be played. Be interesting to see who comes to play and who matches the emotions of this Cal Berkeley team playing, looking to defeat the Trojans. Kevin Bruce. Uh, Kevin, coming off of a, let's call it, a very uh, stout defensive performance uh, last week against Texas, you're going to see a completely different style of offense in many ways going up against Cal. And while the air raid offense of Sonny Dykes is gone, um, you're saying you still see uh, some similarities of what they do in terms of using the entire field for the Cal offense. Tell us what you see. Yeah, the uh, formations that Cal's going to show will vary from, you know, the classic uh, single back, uh, you know, two wide receivers, uh, two and two sets, right, two on each side, a three and one set, three trips to one side, one in the backfield. They also use a, a four-man set to one side. It's a 4 it's, you know, some terminology, it's a 4 and when you put a four out there, I guarantee you there's there's going to be the opportunity for uh, mismatches, the uh, invisible pick plays that rarely get called, uh, and you just have to be ready for whether it's the inside uh, uh, route, uh, deep route, uh, and it all kind of gets uh, uh, you know neutralized if you could put pressure on the quarterback because the quarterback's all uh, by their lonesome. 
with a bunch of hostile guys uh, hopefully chasing them, and uh, that just does a great job of defending those types of uh, formations. What Cal does do, they'll throw deep at any time at any position on the field. They love to throw the ball vertically. Um, they'll take the short stuff. They'll take what uh, what's given to them, but they just have this penchant to uh, to go vertical. The run game, yeah, it's there. Um, can't be ignored, but uh, they're definitely tooled up to be a a, a throw first uh, offense. A lot of clever uh, formations that they use to isolate, get mismatches, um, inside out moves uh, where you know inside linebacker has got to cover somebody's already in motion and, and they're already out of position and it's it's a it's a tough it's a tough cover frankly, um, and that's where the pressure on the quarterback really uh, really uh, helps a lot. Let me ask you this question, and this is more a philosophy thing with Clancy Pendergast. Um, one of the major talking points on the message boards this week, and, and you've seen it, is the fact that there is not a lot of rotating done in the corner position uh, so far this season. We, As we get into Pac-12 play right now, we're going to be seeing a lot of teams using these three, four wide receiver sets where you're going to need a lot more corners. How do you see Clancy working out there in terms of, Getting, getting more guys involved, or as you and I were talking about earlier, you got down on the defensive line, that pressure you're talking about, Uchenna Owusu being a key guy who can help the, the corners in that mix. How do you see Clancy adjusting things moving into this game? Yeah, that's, that's fascinating, and given the uh, uh, you know uh, resume that Clancy has, including spending a, a very successful stint at Cal, Ironically, the head coach being right. Justin Wilcox, our former defensive coordinator, <laughs> um, the the ironies are, are just not, not lost on any of us. But anyway, um, the uh, the cornerback rotation is interesting. There hasn't been any so so far, <laughs> frankly. Um, and the, the, those are the two positions in Clancy's type of defense, and it's, it's not all that unusual. But they are. It is a an essential, critical role that a cornerback is able to perform on a, a, quote, the island or one-on-one type cover, whether it's a a man-on-man, a zone, whether zone up, zone back. I mean, it it has different looks, but essentially, look, uh, cornerback, you've got, you know, this, this, if you have a wide receiver on you, you have that person. There's certain things you have to take away. You either take away the outside, you take away the middle move, or you take away the inside move. And the defense, the rest of the defense knows or expects, better said, that, you know, that's going to happen. Example, if you have outside uh, 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 you know, responsibility, that means you force that receiver to the inside. Whether they've got a – it doesn't matter what their route is. You force them to the inside because that's where the help's going to be. Okay. Now, as far as rotation of players, because of the somewhere of the complexities, and, and some of these complexities are subtle, but they're, but they're there nonetheless, uh, I think Clancy is hesitant to rotate in uh, other players into the cornerback role. Now, the facts are we have no buys. We all know that. Uh, we're, we're nicked up, banged up, and, frankly, you know, that's just going to be a, a fact of life for the balance of the season. Um, you'd want to have, and I'd sure love to see some other uh, players get a chance to get meaningful minutes uh, on the field, in the secondary, in particular at the cornerback role. Uh, how Clancy might want to do that and how, how to deal with that situationally, well, okay, jump ball, I'm not sure. Um, but he's a really bright guy, and he's a he's a, he's a frankly, you know, an excellent coach. But I would sure figure it out because right now I, I call it a single point of failure. 
got two cornerbacks with skill, varying skill levels, right? And as far as we know, that's it. And I can't see that lasting for the whole season without guys getting nicked up and slowed down, or hopefully that's the worst that ever happens. And we just need to have a, a, a plan B option available. And the only time plan B is really gets effective is meaningful minutes, real plays, not just clean up garbage time. Let me ask you, as you're talking about guys getting dinged up, and it's going to be a factor again this week, uh, a list of, uh, you know, we're definitely not going to see Porter Gustin. Rasheem Green is a possibility not to see. Uh, John Houston was banged up. A Jane Harris was banged up. We saw Christian Rector last week come in and get his first meaningful minutes, and boy, didn't he play well. Any spot in there that is really key to you moving into this week? Yeah, you know, the, uh, in, in the secondary, uh, with, uh, uh, Jeannie, uh, banged up and, uh, I think it's a sore knee. Uh, how we, uh, backfill that role will be interesting. Um, there's some talent available and there's some different, um, schemes that can be used as well. But, uh, I would like to see, um, Akili Ross get some playing time. Um, that's the most obvious, uh, transition. There's some scheme changes that could also come into play that might, uh, you know, allow for a different personnel package as well. Um, but that's up to Clancy to, to uh, determine how, how to move forward. But that's, that's a critical role. I would also point out that, that Connor Murphy and, uh, Lole Batiku, um, really need to, uh, have a chance to, to play because they're going to play. They have to, right? One, two is these are real, real minutes in a real conference game that frankly Cal is uh is a real football team unlike uh that sounded terrible but it's you know unlike prior editions where you kind of go well they can maybe put some points on you but you know we're going to run them out of the stadium well I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the case this year given what they've shown they are undefeated they are 3 and 0 and they've played some quality opponents uh these guys can play football we're going up to uh what I call berserkly right and that's not an easy place to play so, uh, it, it, you know, with, without all your ones that, uh, out there available, you, you've got to put it together. Um, you're going to play a complex uh, formation, schemed offense with some players that this could be their first uh, meaningful uh, minutes uh, in, in a game or, or maybe their second. They don't have a lot of uh, experience and depth. Uh, therefore, uh, this is a good opportunity to, to, to for uh, Chris Hawkins, Cam Smith, and uh, you know others that, that to make sure everybody's set in the proper position. They have the proper gap assignments. They know what to do, and then let the athleticism and aggressiveness loose. Let them go, and I think it's going to serve serve us uh, very well. Randy Taylor. Now, Randy, the Trojans getting ready to head up this weekend to Cal, and this kind of a uh... Not a year where there's a ton of Northern California prospects on the USC wish list, but there is a commit, and it's a big one. Uh, defensive tackle Tuli Leta Gisanoa uh, from De La Salle High School, another big Polynesian wide body for the middle of the defensive line. You can never have too many of them. But I don't think the Trojans want to stop at one uh, on the interior D-line. And so in addition to Tuli, there's a couple other guys out there um, that I want to talk about. Uh, Tommy Tojiai from Idaho, right. and then Trevor Trout from Missouri. Seem to be two guys who there's a lot of mutual interest between USC and them. Give us your thoughts on those guys. Well, first of all, being able to bring up Pocatello, Idaho, is always is always entertaining So it, in my mind. But uh, 
the kid, the Highland High School is is a, a dominant inside defensive tackle. I mean, six four, over three hundred pounds, strong, mobile. I mean, the, some of the they list his forty time at like four eight, and he, and even if you like we always do, add a, a couple of tenths to it. Five flat at 300 pounds as right. a youngster is really remarkable. And, and you watch him on tape, and he's he does a great job of, of fulfilling his obligations, you know, whether it's gap control or, or you know, whether he's going to be a three technique and get upfield. And he, he does a great job of, of – Getting separation on offensive linemen with his, his arms and strength and, and keeping that separation so that he can come off and make a play. The, the Trevor Trout kid is fun to watch. He's got a motor. Uh, he's a disruptive guy. Now he's a Missouri commit according to the internet. Uh, but you know, these days who, who knows what that means? The, he is really, really, if you can get video on him, watch him. Because he just is all over the place. He's like the, I don't know if he's the energizer funny, but he just runs around and throws two or three blockers on the ground and then runs to the ball. So, uh, really a fun guy to watch and disruptive. They're, they're, they're similar in their size. They're both over 300 pounds and, and have some height to them. Uh, my guess is, is Trout could be that that guy that uh, is that three technique maybe gets up field a little bit more where Tojia is a guy that's going to be a dominant, you know, eat up space and, and, and you know, occupy blockers and and uh, push up the middle, you know, those kind of things that you all need. So, but, but both of them are athletic and talented kids. So if you get one or both, you'll dominate. Uh, your conference for quite some time inside, especially when you add in uh, Thule, who is a, a stud uh, from De La Salle. 